Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our lead pastor, Dr. Phil Willingham. Hey, again, we just want to welcome you. Glad that you are here. If you got your Bibles, you can open to Isaiah chapter 54. And uh, we are in February. How many February babies do we have? Anybody born? Anybody's birthday going to be in February? Come on. We are the best in the world, February babies are, okay? Let me tell you what they say about February babies. We possess strong leadership qualities and tremendous creativity. We have a passion of making a difference, and February babies are the happiest babies. Hello. For some of you that had babies born in March, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, You know, we have nine babies that's going to be born in 2024, nine. We only have, we only lack three, and we could have all months covered it. We have any volunteers. We'll have a baby in 2024. You got to be married, though. You got to be married. Single people, do not raise your hand, okay? You raise your hand, you are in trouble, most of us understand that relationships is what makes the world go around. So let me, let me ask you a question. Right now, when you think about your relationships, maybe your spouse, maybe with your kids, maybe with your parents, let me ask you this. Is your relationship on the right track and going the right direction? Is your relationship on the right track, going the right direction? Secondly, is your relationship right now on the right track but you're headed the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Is your relationship, can you even see the track? Let me just ask you that. Maybe even, is the tracks even visible anywhere? Most of us understand the fact that relationships are one of those things that we have to make sure that we build time into it to build those strong relationships. Rhonda and I will celebrate 50 years in June of marriage this year. 50 years we've been married. Now, we, we love being married so much that this year, June 21st, I scheduled the 25th anniversary of Honorbound. So we're going to be hosting about three or 400 motorcycle guys in June 21st right here at this campus. So we won't be traveling for June 21st, but here's what we're doing this year. Some of you take note. We're doing 50 things for 50 years, okay? Instead of just blowing all of our money on one trip, we, one of the things we just saw, one of the things that we did was put our fireplace in. We wasn't able to do it three years ago, and so now I told Rod, so we don't have time to do 50 things different, so we're, we have a point system, okay? There are some things are worth the point. Some are, I told Rhonda that fireplace had to be worth 25 points, but she said, nope, five is it. Five is it. Other day, last weekend, we did a little trip, just a little short trip, just her and I, and of course, Sunshine, she has to be our chaperone, and uh, we, we had a little time out, a little thing, about three points. But we're doing 50 things, 50 points for 50 years because we understand and we value relationship. Matt and Leslie, they're, they're about to celebrate 20 years in marriage in the month of June. Our, uh, our daughter, Amber and Alan, they celebrate their anniversary. So a lot of anniversaries in June and a lot of great babies. Did I mention babies born in February are the best? Did I have the... 
that I happen to cover that, okay? Because my birthday's in February, just in case you know, want to know. So here's what I want to do this morning. Before I get in the notes, I'm going to invite Miss Rhonda up to come on. Would you welcome Miss Rhonda? Grab your mic. Come on, come on up. Come around this way. And here's what I thought. Now, I, I put her out of the service in the first service, and somebody asked me, said, what did she do wrong? Did you send her to timeout? I said, no, I didn't. I didn't want her to hear. Don't look at my question. I didn't want to hear these questions before she answered. So I, I put together some questions about relationship because we believe that relationships have to, need to be strong and built up. Everything in our culture today oftentimes works against our relationships. True or false? We understand that. Time crunch, everything else happened. Now, if you're here today and somehow or another you, you, you've been married, divorced, listen, by no means anything we're going to say is belittling the fact. Listen, we serve a God of second and third and fourth and fifth chances. You understand that, okay? But, but to have a pastor that's leading this church with 50 years of marriage, come on, that's something to be proud about. You understand that? So, but I put together some questions. So here they are, Miss Ron. I want you to just answer Go ahead. truthfully. I'll I try. All right, listen. Would you, yeah, you're standing. Come here. You get a little closer. Just don't. Listen, would you rather live 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future? Would you rather live 100 years in the past or 100 years in the future? 100 years in the future. Really? Yeah. You, all the movies you watch is about old 1800 England. Yeah. Not, not. yeah. So you don't want to go back? No, because I like my hot water. I like the washing machines. I like air conditioning. Oh, stuff like okay, that. Okay. So what is that front would be? Okay. And then I get to see my great-grandkids, my great-great-grandkids, and my great-great-grandkids. Okay, okay. All right. Live to see that. All right, That'd that makes good. sense. That makes sense. So here's the second one. Would you, would you rather have a personal maid or a personal chef? Personal maid or personal chef? Personal chef. Personal chef. Yeah. yeah. That way you won't complain about my food all the time. Yeah. <laughs> he does not cook, but he critiques everything I cook. Too salty. Not enough salt. And then he'll throw the napkin down and say, that was a good meal. <laughs> Next question. Okay. Which, I'm telling on you. <laughs> which, yeah, this ain't both. This is going the wrong way. Listen. <laughs> would you rather be remembered for something awful or forgotten about completely? Remembered for something awful that you did or forgotten about completely. This is when you die. Okay. I'm forgetting some, uh, for remembering something awful. You, okay. yeah. 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 That way we won't forget about you. You won't forget about me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm already working on it anyway. You're already working. <laughs> All right. Here, here. Would you rather have to dance every time you walk or every time you walk or sing every time you speak? Dance every time you walk or sing every time you speak? Which one are you rather do? I think I'd rather dance. It'd be good exercise. Every time you, so what, what would you, if you're going to dance. You don't, you don't want to No, go if dance. you're going to dance every time you. Walk, yeah. Yeah. So, I walk a few steps and I could dance. Yeah, so, so back up. <laughs> that's, all, that's all right. Uh, <laughs> just for the record, she could dance like all get out when she was 16, 17 years old. Yeah, she, good thing she got saved, okay? I'm just telling you, good thing she got saved. So let, here, here's it. What would be your game plan if there was a zombie apocalypse? What's your game plan if there's a zombie apocalypse? I'd find me a cave and hide in it. Find you a cave and hide in it. Mm -hmm. 
From yeah. the zombies? Yeah. Okay. They wouldn't find uh, me. I've been watching Twins Century, you know, movies, and they tell you how to survive. All right. So here, here's, here's one. Would you rather be gorgeous mm-hmm. and married to someone ugly? Mm-hmm. I won't like this one. Or ugly and married to someone gorgeous? You'd rather be gorgeous and married to somebody ugly or ugly and married to somebody ultimately gorgeous? Now that's a hard question. That is. Gorgeous and ugly or ugly and gorgeous? You, I, I got to preach a sermon. You don't I have don't to. I don't know. That's a hard question. I'm that, not going to answer that one. You, <laughs> all right. Here's this one. If something happened to me, yeah. and I, I go to see Jesus for you, yeah, I'm gonna bury you. would you rather date some? You know what? I'm going to bury you. Okay. Would you rather date someone 20 years younger than you or 20 years older than you? Oh, I'd like to, be a, I'd like to have a sugar daddy. <laughs> so, so you mean he's younger or he's older? He's going to be older because he's going to be a sugar daddy. A oh, sugar daddy. Is that not what I am? No, baby. All right, two more questions, two more questions. North Johnson, Wanatal, Hebron, hope you're still with us. Okay. Two more questions. What would you do if you were invisible for a day? Oh, I'd like that. What would you do? Keep, we're, we're in a church. What would you do if you were invisible for a day? For uh, just a day? Just for a day. What would you do? I'd go rob a bank. <laughs> They wouldn't know it was me. They would. Then we could build the Sunshine Center. <laughs> See, I'm telling you, the inside is this. All right, last question. Last question. Would you rather have a clone of yourself or have a clone of me? A clone of yourself. If you could have a clone, you want a clone of yourself or you want a clone of me? Yeah, a clone of myself because it take both of us to take care of you. <laughs> Give it up for Miss Rhonda. <laughs> I just love her honesty. Wow. <laughs> hey, listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know when you look at our culture and our society right now, I mean, I mean, there is something wrong when it comes to our relationship. And all this month, we want to talk about our relationship status a little bit today. Because simply when, when, when you look around today, when you, when you look at what's happening, study after study talks about how much hate is going on, how much anger is happening, how much crime fills the newspaper or the news every day. There's lots of anxiety. There's a lot of depression. I mean, it's just constantly happening in our culture today. And and here's the real problem. Listen, we live in a culture that has been infected by, our, our society has been infected by sin, right? Come on. We live with a sin effect on everything that our culture produces today. We see it never not operating according to God's originally planned. And there's all kinds of ramifications because of that sin. One study said that we now have a society or a culture, when it comes to our relationships, we, we, spend, we spend thousands of hours trying to improve our education. We spend thousands of hours learning different languages. We, we have a virtual reservoir of knowledge when it comes to skills in certain fields, and yet many feel totally inadequate 
and, and quite unsuccessful when it comes to building quality relationships. And we see that with all of the knowledge, with everything that's happening that we're producing. Matter of fact, Dr. Charles Solomon says this in his study. He said 82% of Americans are emotionally unhealthy. 82%. 58% of Americans have a moderate mental health problem or issue. 24% have major health issues. 98% have their identity in the roots of rejection, which leads them to live wounded or broken lives. Now watch this. You and I have been placed in this broken world. We're left here for a purpose and a reason. And here's what most of us understand. When you live a life of woundedness or brokenness, it's, it's, it's going to hinder your relationship with God. It's, it's going to affect your relationship with yourself and with others. When you and I live lives that are broken and wounded, that, that we don't allow God to bring healing in our life, we struggle when it comes to relationship. L look at what Isaiah says in Isaiah 54 and verse 4. He gives us a picture of how wounded and, uh, woundedness affects the way that we feel about ourselves and others. He says this, he says, fear not, for you will not be put to shame. Neither feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced, but you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. Now watch it. He said, for your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. For the Lord has called you like a wife forsaken and grieved in spirit, even like a wife of one's youth. When she is rejected, says your God. Now, now look at those words for just a minute. He uses words like shame, humiliated, disgrace, reproach, forsaken, grieved in spirit, rejected. Listen, all of those emotions often cause people to run and hide from God, hide from themselves, and hide from others. But here's the thing. I want you to get this. Listen, God created us for thriving relationships. Say that with me. God created us for thriving. Say it again. Come on. God created us for thriving relationships. He wants us to have a relationship with him. Listen, what God desires is every one of us, it's about receiving God's full love in our lives and then giving that love away to somebody else. It's about letting God put his love in our life so we can be a channel, we can be conduit that just gives this love away to others around us. Listen, I know we have a culture right now that, that has a tendency to make us so many times find ourselves where, where, we, where we're in question about our identity. We're in question about what our true purpose is. We're in question. What, what does God want out of me? Listen, I firmly believe God doesn't make any junk. You believe that? Listen, now, now people can make junk out of themselves. Hello? People can make junk out of themselves by their choices and their decisions. But God doesn't make junk. 
Jeremiah 29, 11. Look at this verse. He said, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Listen, I know there are people, I talk to people and say, Pastor, wait a minute, there has to be a mistake. Surely God's plans for my life couldn't be a good thing. Surely God doesn't want to love me. Surely God doesn't want my marriage to be healed or my relationship with my kids or my parents to be healed up. Listen, can I tell you today, listen, how many, how many of you believe everything you read online? Do you believe everything you read online? Come on. You better say no. Come on. Because you should not believe everything. You, listen, you and I shouldn't. We, we can't believe everything we read in print today. Hello? You know why? Because listen, so many times what we read or what we see, it isn't true. So here, here's, here's my thought. Listen, why would we believe everything we think sometimes? Because listen, we can think things that are not true and things that are not right. Here's what I know in my life. What I think about God shapes my whole relationship with him. My thoughts about God shapes my relationship with him. But listen to this. What I believe God thinks about me, come on, what I think about him shapes my relationship. But what I think, what I believe God thinks about me will determine how close I'll get with God. You understand? It will determine my, my thoughts, what I believe God thinks about me. And sadly, so many people have the wrong impression of God whether they consciously or unconsciously got it from friends or family or, or religion sometimes, our culture constantly sends us the wrong message of how we should feel. And listen, God says, I want to pour out my love. I've got good thoughts about you. I've got plans to give you hope and to give you a future. You understand that's what our culture needs to hear today? With, with our love relationships messed up, they need to know, that we have a God who says, I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for you. So many times people think God is like an impulsive policeman. And when you, when you think God is like some impulsive policeman, you're, you're always on eggshells. You're always, hey, he's waiting to I mess up. He's just waiting, waiting to write me a ticket or pull me over. Sometimes people think God is like a vengeful judge. That God sits up in heaven and he just, he just waiting to, to bring the hammer down and say, guilty. So many people live walking on eggshells, living with that guilt. Or they think God is like some apathetic, absent, earthly father. And so many times if, if, when they believe that God is absent and he's, he's, sometimes he's abusive. Listen, you never have a desire to want to get close to a God like that. But when I start thinking, wait a minute, God's got some good thoughts about me. God's got some good plans about me. Here's, here's what we have to settle. You ready? Here's what we Who and what is going to be the final authority in your life today? Who's going to have the final word of authority? Or are you going to believe the word of God? Are you going to believe what the world's saying right now? Are you going to hold on to the truth of God's word? Or will you just keep letting the trash of the world fill your mind? Will you believe what God says about you? Or are you just going to keep letting public opinion be, be piped into your thought, in your heart? Who is going to be the final authority in our life? Listen, the Bible teaches us of how we can be saved. And that's awesome. 
But once you and I have this, have this light in this relationship with Jesus Christ, once we know that we are forgiven by God, listen, it tells us how God wants to come along beside us in this world and heal our brokenness and our woundedness. Look, look at this psalm in Deuteronomy. Look at what the scripture says. He said, understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. Now, what's it? You, you have to establish the point in your life. God is a final authority in my life, Pastor. Oh, I've got this influence. I've got family. I've got friends. But listen, God is the ultimate authority in my life. And the Bible says this God, who is indeed God, he is what? He is a faithful God. Everybody say faithful. What happens to relationships? Relationships break down when one party or the other begins to believe they're unfaithful. They're not true. Not just, not just morally unfaithful, but unfaithful to keep their word. Un, unfaithful to follow through. Unfaithful to, to put the family first. The Bible says that God is faithful who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations. And get this. or you're, Look at that next phrase. And he lavishes. Come on. He lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey his commandments. Now, let me ask you a question. How would your life change? How would your relationship change today? Your marriage, your kids, your family. How would your life change if you truly believe that God wants to lavish his love upon you? You understand that? This is Valentine's month. This is chocolate month. This is flower month. This is a month to, to, you know, to celebrate your loved one. Listen, how do you think your relationship would improve if your spouse or your, your children or your parents, how would it improve if all of a sudden you woke up and for the next 25 days in February, they just lavished their love upon you? You think it'd make you feel good? Come on. You think you would get up and say, wow, man, they must really love me. God says he lavishes his love upon us. Listen, your life changes my life changes. When we discover the fact, wait a minute, God, you think about me, but you know what your thoughts are? They're to give me hope, and they're to give me a future. And God, when you think about me, you keep your covenant to a thousand generations, and oh, by the way, you lavish your love upon me. Listen, when I begin to realize that God wants to bless me and not curse me, when God wants to help me and he doesn't want to hurt me, when God wants to prosper me instead of plundering me, listen, when I begin to believe that, guess what? My whole life changes. Hello. I begin to see, wait a minute, God has nothing but my best in mind when it comes to my relationship with him. Look, look at what David writes in Psalms 139. He said, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. David is reflecting. He's reflecting upon God's thoughts towards him to bless him, not curse him, to give him prosperity, not plunder him. David said, even while I was yet in my mother's womb. And then he says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O oh God. 
how vast is the sum of them. All my days were ordained for me. They were written in your book before one of them came to be. Listen, you, you, you ever accidentally found, and I know it's accident. you ever found your spouse's diary or your journal, their journal and read it? Anybody, anybody want to confess to that? Nobody wants to confess to nothing today. That's fine. And we do it accidentally. But have you ever had, have you ever had your idea of what the relationship was like and then you find something written different? Come on. When Rhonda and I was married, 17, 19 years old, we traveled the first seven years of our marriage. First three years we've traveled, Sunshine wasn't born, 25-foot travel trailer. We traveled from city to city, you know, church to church. We were in some beautiful places in the United States of America. We traveled mostly from, from uh, Michigan downward south. We traveled east and we traveled west. But here's the problem. When, when we were traveling, I had this religious mindset that if we were in a city for revival, and we happened to be out in the city looking at some of the beauty. We were in eastern Kentucky. We were down in Georgia. We were down in, you know, Mississippi and Alabama, Kentucky. And I had this idea that if we were out in the city and people saw us, sightseeing or visit, that they might think that we wasn't serious about God. Okay? Now, that was me. So guess what we did? We would go to city city. There were two places we'd go. We'd go to the supermarket, and we'd go to the laundromat. Now, I used to love the laundromat to go because I'd witness the people in the laundromat. People in the laundromat are usually there, and years ago, they wouldn't leave their clothes. So I had a captive audience for about an hour and a half. And you ask Mr. Wright, I'd preach to them, I'd witness to them, I'd invite them to revive. Now listen, so here we are, three so years into this thing. I'm thinking, man, this is great. 20, you know, 25 foot travel trailer, we're, we're eating together, we're shopping together, we're doing a lot. And one day, I happened to come upon a journal that Miss Rhonda was keeping. And listen, I was five minutes into that journal and realized I'm lucky I'm not dead. <laughs> this lady was plotting stuff. She, she was anticipating. Listen, it was nothing like I was imagining. It was nothing like I was living in my own mind. When I read what she wrote about us, she was struggling. She wasn't happy. She was considering the fact of what it would be like if I just let this knucklehead do this by himself. Hello. Here's the thing about it. If we could get this book, the Bible says all our days are ordained for us. They're written in the book before even one, you understand that God would be, be, be writing good things about you. You understand? What is he? He's writing things to give you hope, the things to give you a future, the things to help you navigate the brokenness and the woundedness of your life. Listen, God isn't making a journal saying, that sucker, that little knucklehead, they don't even know what I might be thinking about doing to them. That making sense to some of you. Listen, what, what you and I have to understand the fact that, that listen, God doesn't make any junk. We, we may make junk out of ourselves, but God doesn't make any junk in our life. And what he wants us to do is, when it comes to our relationship, say, God, I want to focus upon you. I want to let your love be lavished in my life. Why? So I can pass your love to somebody else. Come on, look at somebody and say, I want God to lavishly love me. Come on, tell them. Don't be ashamed of that. I want God to lavishly love me. Listen, here's the problem. Because we live with this brokenness of woundness that Dr. Solomon talked about, 
we end up living lives of shame or, or guilt. We end up hiding from God, hiding from others, even hiding from ourselves. Listen, there, there, there is a sense that healthy shame, healthy shame says, I made a mistake. Healthy shame says, man, I blew it. Healthy shame says, God, forgive me. People, forgive me. Unhealthy shame, shame that is unhealthy, that destroys our lives, says, I was a mistake. It wasn't, I made a mistake. It's, I was a mistake. I can't believe, I can't believe I did that. I was a mistake. No, listen, God wants to move us to a place in our relationship with him where he restores us and he brings us into a place of blessing and we don't have to live with that broken or that woundedness. Listen, relationships that God designed us for are thriving. And what happens is that so many times people find rejection is one of the deepest wounds a person can receive in their life. The rejection that people feel today. Religion has made them feel that way. Sometimes parents makes us feel that way. Sometimes we, we get married and we think somehow or another that two broken people is going to make one whole person. Hello. You understand that doesn't work? Come on. Two broken people coming together won't make one whole person. All you've got is two broken people that are now have their brokenness together. That makes sense. And listen, what happens is when we have this broken and this wounded, many times we leave, we end up living lives of rejection. And rejection begins to direct the course of a person's life. And sometimes it stays on that same course for years. Proverbs 18 and 14 says this, a man's spirit sustains him in sickness, but a crushed or wounded or broken is what that word means. A crushed spirit, who can bear? Listen, without the blessing, without the acceptance of God's lavish love, without understanding that God has plans to prosper, to bless us, without understanding the fact that God says, I want, it, I want you to come near to me. I want you to draw near. When you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. We end up living lives and feeling rejection. And here's the problem. Here's what we see in our culture right now. Study after study tells us right now, rejected people become seekers. They're constantly seeking something else. Something new, someone new, another relationship, another job, another house, another. They, they, they're constantly seeking, but they're never filled. They end up becoming the shattered. They become broken. Their life now begins to be lived out in pieces. And what happens with the shattered person is so many times they try to piece their life. You ever, you ever hear somebody say, well, I'm, I'm trying to pick, pick up the pieces right now. Well, here's the problem with that. When you and I try to pick up pieces of our lives that's been shattered and we try to do it ourselves, we're always missing something. We're always leaving something out. Or we're always being content with this piece not really fitting, but let's make it fit. I, I, know, I know this doesn't feel right, Pastor Phil, but I just got to make it feel right. You, are you with me? And we end up living those, those lives that they say that are just simply smothered. We end up, when we do get in relationship, we're like two ticks without a dog. Yeah, we just smother. Come on. You ever, you ever seen that happen? We just smother each other. Why? Because, because we listen. We're seeking. We're shattered. We're broken. We're smothered. Then we get angry. 
One study came out the other just a uh, few weeks ago that this is the angriest generation that we've ever had to deal with. We see it in preschool kids right now. We see it in early kids that the anger level escalates to the point that kids literally lose their minds. They, 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 they lose the ability to make, make uh, you know, emotional decisions to the point that not, they're not either hurting themselves or hurting somebody else. Angry. Then they, de- then they become the detached. Withdrawal. Pulling away. Leaving society. Social media stuff right now. We've just seen all the, the political stuff that's happening. Trying to interview. We, we see what's happening. How our young people are being influenced by social media. To the point that some have detached themselves. To the point that they think about suicide. Or they follow through suicide. It's an amazing, it's amazing culture today that have found themselves so, so, so shattered and so smothered and so angry and so detached, they end up becoming the driven. We're driven. We're, they're, they're, the passion, the, the impulses today of our culture. There used to be a time that we could, we could self-regulate uh, ourselves on the, the, the drive, the passion, the impulses. You ever notice how quick people are to just have an impulse moment without any thought of the ramification of, of what's going to be the result of this, but, but they're just driven to the point that they operate constantly on impulse rather than, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, let, let me settle myself down, let me, let me not respond. Road rage is one of the signs of that study say in our culture. And I mean, there, there's all kinds of things I could, I could, I could sh- t- share with you. Look, look what he says in Proverbs. I love this. Listen, what's this? He said, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken or a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So here's what happens in relationships. When we get wounded, we get broken, we, we, we get the wrong impression of God, we, 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 we stop drawing near to Him, our belief system about God totally is away from the truth of God's Word. All of a sudden, when, when, when we do that, rejection begins to settle in, and rejection dries up our emotions. With men particularly, with women Often the emotions increase. But look what Psalms, look here, listen, here's the hope. Everybody say, here's the hope. Come on. Here's what Psalms 34 and 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Come on. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Come on. This is the good news of the gospel, folks. This is what the world needs to hear from the church. The world doesn't need to say, hey, hey, folks, we're perfect. We got it together. All of our relationships are working. No. Listen, the world needs for us to be honest. We know what it is to have brokenness. We know what it is to have woundedness. We know what it is to find ourselves moved away and shattered and seeking. But yet, the Bible said the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He's not abandoning us. He's not walking. I'm preaching right now. Come on. He's not walking away from you today. Today. He wants to be close to you. All you've got to do is let him respond to you with his lavish love in your life. He wants to come close to us. The church has to grab this message. 
Our relationship status is in trouble. But we know the one who has the answers. We got to stop believing that somehow or another because this behavior seems worse than this behavior. That somehow or another God is going to abandon those people. And no, he is close to the brokenhearted. He wants to bring healing. He wants to give hope. And that has to be our message to them today. God truly created you for a purpose and a plan. His thoughts about you, they're good. Pastor, how could God love me? He Listen, he chooses to do that. Look what Luke 4 and 18 says. This is Jesus speaking of himself, quoting from the Isaiah the prophet. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. I love that. He come to give the gospel to everybody. Jesus said, the poor you have with you always. There, listen, the gospel came to everyone. And listen, that's why we do what we do with all of our ministries. Our kids, our students, our disability ministry that, that we're, we're up in the end. And listen, we want to make Jesus not just available. We want to make him accessible to everybody. Come on, he come. What did he do? He come to preach. He sent me, come on, to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. And the recovering of the sight to the blind and to set at liberty. Them that are bruised. That word brokenhearted in the Greek means those that are pressed down, pressed down upon by calamities. Listen. One of the very first things that needs to happen after a person hears and receives the gospel is that they need to be told that Jesus has come to heal the brokenhearted. Listen, the words he's anointed me. Listen, Jesus said, I've been anointed to do this. Can I tell you, 2,000 years ago, he succeeded in everything he come to do. And in 2024, he's still going to succeed in everything that he tends to do. He said, I've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted. There's healing in the house. There's healing with Christ. All we need to do is put our faith and our trust in him. Whoa, come on. Somebody give the Lord a praise. He said, I want to heal your broken heart. I want to heal the wounded. That's our message. The relationship status of this culture. Listen, we can spend every week talking about where this culture is, where it's headed, how bad it is. But our message needs to be, yeah, here's the problem. Oh, but here's the solution. Jesus Christ comes to heal. But I love the fact about Isaiah 53 and 5 says that Jesus knew what it was to be wounded. He knew what it was to be bruised. The Bible says he was acquainted with grief. He was despised. He bore our griefs. He carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. And with his stripes, we are healed. Isn't that good news? Come on. Isn't that good news? With his stripes, you were healed. Physically, emotionally, relationally, with his stripes, you can be healed. You don't have to live lives of brokenness. 
You don't have to hold on to your woundedness to the point that it puts you in bondage. Listen, Jesus Christ has come to heal. There's four basic emotional needs that thriving relationships have to constantly display. God leads us in these things, and we are to follow him. Number one, just unconditional love. Love that is expressed without expecting anything in return. While we were yet sinners, Romans says, God died for us. While we were yet sinners, God so loved the world that he gave the world. God did not come to condemn the world, but that the world through his son Jesus might be saved. You know what that is? That's unconditional love. How would our relationships change in 2024? This is a year of shift. This is a year of change and transformation. Those three words God gave to me in December. 2024, the leap year, is a year of shifting and change and transformation. How would our relationship change if we started living our lives with the understanding that God loves us unconditionally? And it's that unconditional love that he gives me that I'm supposed to be passing on to somebody else. Oh, I see your woundedness. I see your brokenness. I see you're living a shattered life. I see that you're making choices and decisions that are totally away from God's purpose and plan. But guess what? I unconditionally love you. You think our relationships could change? What about this next one, security? Studies tell us that security, feeling secure or protected is, is, is so important if we are going to be able to live with unconditional love. It's, it's, it's that security, that, that understanding that in Christ we are secure. Oh, I wish, I wish we could say, man, my relationship, it'll, it'll never have no more problems. Man, we're good. If we, if we get to 50, Rhonda, man, we're, we've got a sealed deal. You know, there's, you know there's couples that get married or that, that get divorced after spending 50 years or plus together? Nobody's secure in themselves. You know where our security comes in? It's in Christ. If you've been married five years, great, celebrate. But listen, your security comes in when you bring Christ into that relationship and that marriage. And when you and I have that kind of security, guess what? We need to be passing that security on. The third one is praise. The feeling of, of being valued or affirmed. The feeling that, that somebody absolutely will, will admire you in, in who you are, not what you do, not your behavior, not, not because you're doing good today. No, we, 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 have, this, we have this real genuine prayer. You, you understand that studies say you need three positive statements to negate one negative statement in a person's life. Three to one. How many of us really do that? How many three, listen, Rhonda, Rhonda, yeah, I sat there the other day, she, we ate, and we ate, and I give her, I critique. I'm a food connoisseur. I can't scramble an egg. But she's been cooking for me 50 years. I know what it's supposed to taste like. And I will critique and critique and critique, and ultimately, I will fold my napkin at the end, and I said, wow, that was a great meal. And she just looks at me and laughs sometimes. She said, you are absolutely ridiculous. 
I said, well, I feel like we need to have some conversation while we're eating. She said, that kind of conversation absolutely ruins my meal. <laughs> okay. But listen, what, 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 what we're learning in relationship, what, what would ha- how would your relationship with your kids, with, with your parents, with your spouse, how would it change if you purposely said, I'm going to give three times more affirmations of praise than I am one negative statement? You think it would change? Come on. And then lastly, it's just purpose. We, we, we absolutely need unconditional love, security, praise, and we need purpose. We need a reason. And listen, when, when you and I receive these blessings in our lives, unconditional love, security, praise, and purpose, listen, when we receive those important emotional needs, guess what? And we start passing them on to other people. We start saying, guess what? God wants me to be a conduit of those things in our lives. I don't know about you. I want my relationship to thrive. I, I, want it, I want it to be an example to say, listen, they're not perfect. I mean, but listen, there is a couple, there is a family, there, there, there's people that genuinely love each other, and they've made a purpose to navigate through life's, life's channel in relationship to saying, you know what, God, you pour this stuff on us, and guess what? We want to pour it onto you. Here's the sad thing. Come on, Pastor Lindsay. I've got to quit. Here's the sad thing. So many people, when it comes to dealing with brokenness or rejection, they just bury their feelings. Or they're quickly to go out and try to replace the loss. Or sometimes they just pull away and they just grieve alone. They, they just get by themselves. And so many times people say, well, you know, Pastor Phil, time heals. Anybody ever heard that? Time heals. Here's the problem with time. Time doesn't heal. Time will seal if you don't make right choices and right decisions. When we've been wounded and we've been broken by this world, and it happens. It happens intentionally and it happens unintentionally. And you and I have that wound or that brokenness in our life. Listen, Time, as time goes by, if we don't make right decisions and right choices, time doesn't heal that. I know people 20 years down the road, they're still carrying the same grudge that they had 20 years ago. Time didn't heal. Time sealed. Sometimes we carry grief. We carry disappointment. And we pass it on. I was in a conversation just the other day with, with, a, with, a, with a grandfather and his grandson. Now it's his grandson. And now he is passing on the same disappointment that he had with his son to his grandson. He has transferred those same feelings. And I called him in that conversation. I called his hand. I said, look at what you're doing. And he said, well, I thought enough time and went by. I forgot about that. I said, no, you, because you haven't been healed over those things. Now you're transferring to your grandson those same disappointment phrases and conversation that you know you put upon your son that caused the wedge or the, the wall to be built up years ago. Time doesn't heal. Time seals. And what you and I do, listen, what, what you and I understand the fact that when we get deficit in, in these areas, unconditional love, security, praise, and purpose, we end up settling for counterfeits. Watch this. I'm going to call it. We end up setting. You know, you, know what the, you know what the counterfeit for love is? It's passion. 
What do we see happening? What's running wild in our culture today? It's passion. It's, it's not love. It's just, it's just physical attraction or passions. What, what, what's the counterfeit for security? It's possessions. Thinking if I get more, I feel more secure. If I have more, then somehow or another I'll be, I'll be freer. No, listen, if you, if you settle for the counterfeit of security, you, you only try to have more. And more wants you to have more. That make sense? What's the counterfeit for praise? Position. Instead of being affirmed and appraised for who you are, you think, if I get a title, if I get a position, then somehow or another that's going to that's gonna heal my woundedness, my brokenness. So I, I didn't get enough praise. So what do you do? We, we try to get a position. What's the counterfeit for purpose? It's power. Try to get more power rather than living our life. Listen, why settle for counterfeits? In 2024, listen, God wants our relationships to thrive. He does. He wants your marriage, whether you've been married one year or five years or 20 years or going on your 50th or going on your 60th. Just the other day, last week, down in Alabama, a man by the name of, let me, let me I want to get you his name. His name was Tommy. Tommy. And his wife's name was Catherine. Tommy was 81 years of age, and Catherine was 79. Catherine developed dementia the last few years. They lived in a facility together, and Tommy was there every day to take care of his wife, and she passed away just at the end of January. And seven hours later, his wife, he was there along with his daughter. They had one daughter. Tommy was there with his daughter. When, when Catherine dies, he looks at his daughter and he says, I cannot live without her. They've been married 59 years. He said, I cannot live without her. I refuse to live without her. I won't live without her. And seven hours later, he dies. And she has to do a funeral for her mom and her dad that's been 59 years together. Now, now some say, what love. And, and admit, listen, I'm praying if I go, Rhonda's got seven hours and that's it, you know. Because she, she keeps convincing me I'm going before she does. You got seven hours, okay. No, but listen, people say, how, how, what love? Now listen, and I love that. But listen, her, her daughter, the daughter said, my heart breaks because my dad with, with me, and he had grandkids. My dad was at a point in his life he felt like without this one love, he could not go on. When there was other people around him, would still love him. Listen, some of us have had brokenness and woundedness happen in our lives. And the devil would love for you to stop and say, I refuse to go on. I, I can't go on. I, I won't go on. And, and instead of living life, not just your life, but spiritually, getting in God's abundant life, you stay in that prison. And some people die long before they get buried. You ever notice that? Some people die before they get buried. They're dead. Their dreams, their hopes, their life. God says, I've come. He's anointed me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? Come on, I want you to stand. There are some action points in your notes. You can go online and get them later. 
I don't have time. I, I just feel like right now the Spirit of the Lord is, is just telling us to stop. I want to I go back just real quickly. I want to read what Isaiah said this. Again, listen to what Isaiah said. He said, fear not, for you will not be put to shame. Neither feel humiliated. For you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth. And the reproach of your motherhood. Or your widowhood. You will remember no more. Shame of our youth. And the reproach of our widowhood. Some of us are stuck and our shame and our guilt of things we did when we were young people. Oh yeah, we've come to church now and we're, 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 we're confessing a relationship with Christ but we're still living with that woundedness and that brokenness. God says there's healing in the house today. Jesus said, I've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted. He wants to remove the shame. He wants to remove the reproach that you feel like you're carrying. There's some generational things that some of you need to step into God's grace and love and let him heal that generation and break those bondages in your life. Don't carry that on to another generation. Don't let it be passed on to somebody else down in your bloodline. Say, Lord, today it stops. This is where I break it. I choose to step into the healer's house and let the healer Lay his hands upon my heart. Come on. Would you do that right now? Would you just bow your head? Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at pastorphil at hcc3d.com. Have a blessed week.